Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the Venture Church podcast. Venture is a life-giving church located in Bluffton, South Carolina, led by Pastor Sean Olson. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump in with Pastor Sean as we start our series, Selfless. You can be seated. Yeah, we got a fun day. Welcome Welcome to Venture. I am so glad you are here. Uh, If you're a first or second time guest, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, Just as a general reminder, stop by our VIP tent on the way out. We have a gift we want to give you. Say thank you and answer any questions you may have. Come on, somebody. Did you survive Thanksgiving? Mm. Survive may be a strong word if we're honest about it, all right? Uh, it, was, it was rough. I just turned the camera on on my iPad. I was videoing myself. That was super interesting. Uh, that was, that's never happened before. I never looked down and saw myself. That was a little, a little weird. Um, man, how many of you are the fried turkey people? Come on, where are my fried turkey friends at? Let's go. Where are you still roasted turkey people because you're too afraid of burning the house down? Yeah, I see you. Uh, I'll be honest. While I've never burned a house down, I've come real close. My dad was, uh, my dad died of cancer 2008. I think the last Thanksgiving we had, uh, me and Shane were in Miami. You have to understand, any time me and Shane are at the same place at the same time, bad things could happen. Like, it's not just a possibility, it's almost a guarantee. Uh, so me and Shane are there, my dad didn't feel good enough. I was like, Dad, we'll fry the turkey, no problem. That should have been the hit right there. We should probably just order honey-baked ham so we all survive. We go out to get this thing started and it starts raining a little bit in Miami. We're like, wait, I know what we'll do. We'll just pull this thing right up next to his house underneath the awning so we don't get wet. So I mean, literally the house is here. We're frying a turkey right here. We're gonna lower that thing in and Shane gets splashed with a little bit of grease. Of course, it has to be his fault because this this is venture stage, not decibel stage. If this was decibel stage, it would probably be my fault, just so you know. And he gets splashed with a little bit of grease and that thing goes down. Well, out comes the oil. My dad is in the house watching this transpire and he comes running out. And me and Shane, we laugh about everything. So he's like, is everything a joke to you boys? Pretty much, yes. <laughs> uh, we, so we've been fried turkey people for a long time. We ate ourselves into a food coma, much like you probably did. Uh, but man, I hope you enjoyed this week of giving thanks and then shopping to your, uh, I, you could not do it anymore. I'm not a Black Friday shopper, just so you know. I don't find any deal worth that kind of crazy, but that's my, my personal opinion. We are in this series called Selfless. Uh, we have plenty of selfish things in our culture, and if no week tells you that, this week where we're supposed to be giving thanks probably points you in the direction of what our culture is. I mean, even on Thanksgiving, if you sit around the table with too many people, everybody's got to have their favorite. Like, we have to cater to everybody. There's 47 different foods for like six people. Because everybody needs their one favorite dish. I mean, it's the one time a year I get chocolate chip pie. I'm a chocolate chip pie fan, to be honest with you. I don't need pumpkin. I don't need apple. I don't need pecan or pecan, however you choose to say it. I don't need that. I need a chocolate chip pie. And it is my life goal the entire week of Thanksgiving to eat the entire pie myself. All right? So don't judge me. Don't judge me. It's all right. We all do that. And then followed by, you don't even have to go into the store's 
to see the selfishness. Just watch the fights that break out over the parking spots. As if after Thanksgiving, 15 extra steps wouldn't help you anyway. We are going to beat the tar out of each other and honk at each other and yell at each other and give people special waves that only include one finger at each other so we can have the closer parking spot. Like, are you kidding me? Like, we have a selfishness built into us. It's inherent. You say, no way. Good for you. You're better than the rest of us. Because think about that last piece of pie, that last piece of pizza, the last cookie, whatever it is for you. You're sitting around a table with friends. There's only one left. You know outwardly the thing you're saying, oh no, you guys take it. Inwardly, you are wishing harm on anybody that touches it. You know it's so true. Y'all know, yo, you take it, you take it. If you do, I'm gonna kill you. I'm wishing bad things on you because really I want it. It's so true, we don't like to admit it about ourselves, but we fight this selfish urge, but don't worry, we come by it. We come by it naturally. I mean, how many of you have, as you've parented your kids, whether they're older or younger, you had to sit down with your kids and go, you know what, if you just, if you just be a little more selfish, that'd be great. Like, I'd really appreciate if you'd just be selfish every now and again. You know, if you'd go over to your brother and you just rip that toy out of his hands with some aggression and really cause a fight and be selfish, that'd be awesome. Or, you know what, if you'd throw your yourself on the floor and throw a good tantrum when you don't get your way, that'd just be so incredible. I never had to tell my kids that. It just happens naturally. It's just there. We are naturally selfish. We live in a culture that says, you've earned it, you deserve it. Gratify yourself. But Jesus says in Matthew 16, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Today, we're gonna talk about probably the greatest way to deny ourselves, and that is, that is generosity. And maybe you're already sitting there thinking, going, oh my Lord, I came to church on the generosity day. It's all right, just hang with me for 20 minutes, it'll be, it'll be fine, I promise, you, you'll be all right. Uh, I believe the content of this message has the ability to change how we look at our everyday life. I told our team in our team meeting this morning, I said, what we give away, whatever it is, what we release, we also release its power or authority in our life. Uh, take it to forgiveness, right? So you have this fight with someone, when you forgive them, you release the power of that argument or that disagreement in your life. Whatever we give away, we give away its power over our life. So generosity, we are no longer letting greed control us. So when we give it away, we are actually promoting selflessness in our life rather than selfish. Whatever we retain, whatever we hold onto, whatever we hoard, which I'll talk about in just a second, we give it power in our life. We give it control in our life. You don't believe me? Watch helicopter moms and dads. Right, The kids have an incredible amount of power or authority in the parent's life because they can't get away from it. They keep it close. Whatever we keep close also has power in our lives. Whatever we give away, we begin to release the power in its life. Proverbs 21, 26, all day long he, the lazy and selfish, 
craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. Truly. And today, I'll be honest, this is a big heart check for some of us. When was the last time we didn't hold back? I was just, I'm not holding back. Here it is. Gives and gives. And I believe the church, not, not just Venture Church, the church should lead with irrational generosity. And that's what we're gonna do this morning, and I'm super excited about it. So I'm gonna jump in, and, and ushers, go ahead and get ready here. I need to explain this before we do, and you're like, man, you're about to take an offering? Yes, I am. I'm so excited about taking up this offering, and here's why. Normally, I have to unpackage this offering and say, hey, if you're a first or second time guest, don't give and all this stuff. We're gonna take our regular tithes in just a moment later in service, and I'll give you that, sp- that speech. This offering, everybody listen, this is super important. This offering is cash only. And what we're gonna do in about 15 minutes, we're gonna give it all away. This is not for venture. We've ordered cold brew coffee because I'm a coffee fiend. And the delivery driver's gonna be here in a few minutes. And when they get there, we're gonna tip them with this entire offering. Everything that comes in is going right through us today. We're gonna bring them up on stage. I'm gonna drink coffee because I like it a whole lot and I need more energy apparently. And when they're standing on the stage, whatever comes in in cash, we're gonna hand it. Hope it's the largest tip of their life. Hopefully it changes their life. I know the lady's story. I know the lady that's coming. We're going to impact them by living selflessly. And you say, man, that's incredible. It's just what we're called to do. I believe with everything in me. The church is called to lead with irrational generosity. And that's literally what we're about to do. I'm gonna pray over this offering again. This is our extra offering. You say, why are we doing the extra offering first? I'm glad you asked. Because God called us to give away our first. So we're gonna give away the first offering. We'll take our regular tithes later. God called us to give away our first. God, I pray you bless this offering. Let it be an extravagant gift above and beyond what we could ask, dream, or imagine. I pray that whomever receives it, it changes their life and opens their heart to what you're doing in them. In your name, amen. Remember, this is cash only. Drop it in, we're gonna count it. We're gonna tell them right here on stage what it's about. I believe we are going to make an impact through our irrational generosity. I prayed this morning with our team. I hope this is the largest offering we've ever taken up. Because I just wanna give it away. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That's what makes it special. If it makes sense, it doesn't stand out. Let us be a culture, a community of people that stands out. We're not supposed to make sense. There's three mindsets today. I wanna jump in and talk about generosity. There's the first mindset is the bag mindset. There's never enough. Haggai 1.6 says, you've sown much and bring in little. You eat but don't have enough. You drink but you aren't filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes in it. You see, I need to, I need to unpackage kind of what's going on in this scripture. In this time, the Israelites are, are rebuilding, but they're choosing to take care of themselves and not rebuild the temple. They're choosing not to put what the Lord wants to do and what the Lord is doing first. They're taking care of themselves. Thus, they get into this mindset that, yeah, you're earning wages, but you never feel like you have enough. 
You're eating, but you never feel satisfied. You see, and I think if we were to be real honest, this is the trap, this is the pit, this is the, the mentality we see around us. How many of you, how many of you have some friends? We'll, we'll say friends, I'm asking for a friend, right? How many have a friend that just says, oh, could you use a few more bucks? No, I don't need the raise, I got plenty. I don't need anything, I'm, 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 really, I'm really good. Everybody's like, man, if I, could just, if I could just make a few more dollars, then you'd want a few more dollars. And then you'd want a few more dollars. Because we earn, but we put it into, I love the, the, the illustration, bags with holes on it. It just seems like no matter how much we put in, it never gets full because there's, there's never enough. And I think it's a great, a great picture. And if, if we're gonna be honest, if you get nothing else at Venture, you promise you get authenticity. We all struggle with this. Man, I struggle with this. And how many of you ever said something like this? Come on now, money don't grow on trees. Come on, I heard that whole, I promise you, I've probably said that to my wife this week, don't judge me, right? <laughs> Angela's in the house, she's like, yes he did. Like, come on, we ain't made of money. Anybody ever say that? Come on dads, it's all right, let's be real. We, it's not an endless supply. We can't go outside and pick it. What we're saying is there's never enough. We live from the bag mentality, right? That there's just, there's not enough of it. And that's what he's saying here. There's, there's not enough, but Judas, Judas had the bag mentality. This lady comes in to worship Jesus and probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. She comes in and she's lavishly, I mean, extravagantly worshiping Jesus and I love worship. I worship in the back so I don't distract you guys because I move, I dance, and I don't dance well. I certainly don't sing well. I did do the floss this morning, you know, you know what I'm saying? All right, so, oh, I, you're impressed now, I know. Um, that's what you have when you have young kids. But she comes in, she lavishly, lavishly worships Jesus, and she pours this expensive perfume over him. And Judas, one of the leaders of the church, is standing over here with his arms crossed. It's a lot of money. We could have given that money to the, to the poor. But what he's saying is, there's a, there's a limited supply. There's not enough. We could have done more with what she's doing. There's a limited supply he had. He had the bag mentality. And eventually, because he had the bag mentality where you always, you always need more, he sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver to put in his bag. He had, he had the bag. The bag mentality. And in the bag mentality, no matter how much you have, I promise you, if we live, see, we like to make it a quantity issue. Because if it's a quantity issue, get this, we're, we're really good with excuses, okay? Let's just be, call it like it is. Because if it's a quantity issue, it's not a heart issue. It's not a me issue, it's a what I have issue. So we like to turn it and make it about how much, not about what's going on inside of me. But with the bag mentality, no matter how much we have or don't have, it's never enough. This is why people that, that win the lottery, people that get these instant big financial gains, they wind up just having more of what they already had, which would be problems which would be stress and anxiety, because it's not, a, it's not a quantity issue, it's not a supply issue, it's a heart issue. 
One of the things I'm super grateful for from my dad is from the beginning, and, and soon I'm gonna start walking my, my boys through this. From the beginning, my dad taught me the discipline of tithing. I mean, down to like 50 cents. I get a birthday card, and back in the day, you got a birthday card, and you had cash in it. It was a big deal. You know what I'm saying? I opened up that $10. I'm like, yeah, take me to Funko Lander EB Games, right? Yo, come on, y'all. You old school gamers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Preach that gospel, right? Yes, take me. I got 10 bucks. Back then, a game cost 10 bucks. Now they're 100. You know what I'm saying? And my dad be like, hey, what's the first thing we do? We tithe. He'd go in, he'd bring out 10 ones. He was prepared always, man. <laughs> that dude was always prepared to teach me something, right? Hand me nine and then one extra. Because he was instilling in me a mentality about money. Now, my dad was also a penny pincher, y'all. Watch out. The second mentality is the basket. There is enough. Deuteronomy 28 two and five, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Come on, somebody, that's a good scripture. Y'all write that on your house. Just go in somewhere and write that down. That's a good one. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be your basket. But God can only multiply, we, we gotta get this. God can only multiply what you give. He can't reach in your pocket and multiply it. God can only multiply what we can give. Luke 6, 38 says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It doesn't say, keep, oh, you brought my coffee? Thank, I'm so good, girl, how are you? Everybody say good morning. Good morning. Hey, Jen, can you go find Angela for me for just a second? I love coffee. <laughs> Listen, I walk over and I say, I love coffee. And she goes, I know, I know. Listen, we'll have some cold brew for everybody later. Come on up here, come on up here. Come on, everybody give her a round of applause. Come on up, get up on this stage. What's your name? Adrian. Oh, my microphone's not on. Vocal one, I stole Ben's microphone. Maybe you'll sound like Ben. Adrian. Adrian, Adrian, tell him your story. What's going on in your life right now? Oh. I'm a mother of four. I work at the corner park. I'm a barista. I have a son in college. College. college? You look good to have yeah. a college kid. He's taking up mechanical engineering. Um, life is good. Come on, you a mother of four? Yes. How you do that? I don't know. How do you keep up? I got two and I can't do it. Patience. A lots of, girl, you need to share some of that patience with me. I need, I need to come hang out with you. I just stay humble. Mm, come on. Give it up for Adrian. Adrian, here's the thing. We wanted to do something really special today. Okay. We believe in living really generously. Mm -hmm. So this incredible group of people, they wanted to bless your socks off today. Okay. So we wanna give you a tip for coming and delivering that. Would that be okay? Do you like tips? Oh, I love 
Come on, somebody, get excited. And I believe she's gonna tell me the number right. I held my hand $1,297. That's your tip. Come on, this is yours. No. Yeah. No, you serious? I'm 100% serious. Are you serious? I'm 100% serious. Are you serious? I'm for real. For real? For real, for real. For real, for real. See, they just did that. $1,297. You gotta take it, though. You gotta take it. $1,297, but you dropped a dime. There it is. $1,297. Because we believe in living generous. I hope that blesses your socks off. Come on, and I'm gonna drink the coffee. Y'all give it up for Adrian, mama of four, making it happen. You go have a good day. All right? Come on, somebody save me a cup of that cold brew, though. You see, I hope you just noticed what just happened. Man, someone in this room, they threw a dollar in or two dollars in. It's not a quantity issue. It's a heart issue. Man, when we, when we just freely give and we lead with irrational generosity, the impacts we have, it's crazy. But we have to change our mentality. We have to change our, our, our mindset and our heart set about what we hold on to and what we give away. It's so easy to get into a scarcity mentality, but God can only multiply what we, what we give. It says this, this is where we were, I think. That kind of sidetracked me. It was an awesome moment though, wasn't it? I feel like we could just go home now. We all had church, all right? Luke 6:38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It doesn't say keeping you will be blessed. It doesn't say hoard and it will be given to you. It says, it says give. Give and it will be given to you. It says let it go. I mean, we're the only culture in the world that has a whole TV show dedicated to hoarders. <laughs> like, for real. And some of you husbands look at your wife going, you belong on that show. Don't do it right now, dude. I'm telling you, I'm trying to save you. Don't do it. Because in reality, if we're going to be honest, men, we struggle with the giving mindset way more than women do. We don't like to admit it. My wife's way more generous than me. She's like, hey, we're going to do this cash offer. I just went ahead and emptied the whole savings account. I was like, oh, that's great. No, she didn't do that, thank God. I was like, you know, but like, that's their heart. Like, yeah, just, just give. Like, God built them that way. We're, we are providers and gatherers. That's how we're built. We're hunters, not me. I'm not an outdoorsman, right? But we, we do these things by nature. We're providers and protectors, so we are more naturally hoarders. Hoarding creates a need for more, though. You never go into a hoarder's house and go, you have enough? No, I need more. I'm gonna go to the flea market on Saturday, see what's going on down there. You don't have any space in your home. Because when we keep, when we retain, when we hold on, 
it creates a desire for more. This scripture given, it will be given to you, the measure scriptures. Actually, Jesus, when he's teaching this, he's, he's referencing something that they would have gotten. He's talking about landowners. You see in the Bible, when the landowners would, would harvest their crops, they would tell the workers, leave the outsides of the field. Leave the outsides of the field. Just take from the middle of the field. And those in need, they could come right onto the property and bring their baskets and fill from the outside of the field. They were living generously. And if I, as a dad, couldn't provide for my family, I went onto the field with my basket, how do you think I would fill up my basket? Maybe, maybe pressed down, shaken together, and possibly running over because that's what, what I needed for my family. And God's saying, hey, when you give, he's referencing something they can visualize. Your baskets will be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The way I look at it in this day and age is like when you go into some Chipotle. Praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? You go from the rice, they want rice, you don't really care about the rice scoop. Then they go into beans, you beans, beans people, you all right. But then where do they go? They go to the meat. And in that moment, your prayer life is so real because you are asking God that they would dig deep in the meat. Come on, give me that extra portion, Lord, for free. And they dig deep and you give out a little hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? That's, don't judge me, I'm a Chipotle fiend, y'all, right? That's, that is the mentality. It's like, I'm not gonna give you the minimum. Hello? I'm not gonna give stingy. I'm gonna give and not hold back that you may be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. In 1 Kings, we see this widow who literally only had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil, and she was going home to make her last meal for her and her son. 1 Kings 17, 12 says this, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. She's talking to Elijah. Only a handful of oat flour in a jar and a little bit of olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Literally, she's going home to make her last meal that they may eat and die. And Elijah says, you know what? Give me some first. And she takes the greatest faith risk. And she gives Elijah some first. Because of her obedience, ultimately God provides enough for them to carry on and sustain. You see, irrational generosity is never about how much you have. It's always about the mentality of our heart. It's not, it's not about, oh, well, I had a lot so I could give a lot. She had nothing. She was just obedient with what she did had and God provided for the long haul. Or maybe you heard about Jesus and this boy who had a basket lunch. And Jesus took this boy's basket lunch and fed 5,000 men, which probably included an additional 5,000 women and maybe an additional 5,000 kids. He fed a conference, y'all, with a, with, a, with a happy meal. Well, it can't be a happy meal because nobody goes to McDonald's anymore. Let's call it like it is. He went to the Christian chicken and he got a, a kid's meal with some probably some chicken fingers, uh, maybe some nuggets. Where are the nugget people at? Maybe he got the nuggets. And he fed a conference of people from a boy's basket, basket lunch, because the basket mentality says, 
there's, there's, a, there's enough. And by the way, God can use your little to do a whole, whole lot. I don't have any talents or skills. God can use your little to do a whole, whole lot. I don't have a whole lot of resources, college student. God can use your little to do a whole, whole lot. I don't have much to give. God can use your little to do a whole lot. The problem is, man, this is a whole nother message. The problem is we always look at what we don't have, so we don't give. If we start looking at what we do have and we give it willingly, whether it's our time, talent, or resources, God can use and multiply that which we, we give. When he was done, when Jesus was done, there was about 12 baskets left over. He started with one and there's 12 leftovers, but again, God can only multiply what we give or the last mentality, and I'll, I'll finish here. The barn. In the barn mentality, there's way, way more than enough. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. See, so you have the bag mentality. There's never enough, there's never enough again. I gotta, I gotta get it in, I gotta put it in my bag, and it's always, always seeming to escape. Then there's the basket mentality that there is enough, but I'm still, I'm still have a container I can manage. Then there's the barn mentality. He's gonna fill up my barn because I'm just gonna put him first. See, it's, God wants to be first in our lives. Not something we do, not, not, not something we believe. He wants to be first, that's why the Bible says seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. But really, we schedule and order our lives around us. New Year's is coming up. Number one New Year's resolution is lose weight. Yeah, we'll lose weight. That's a great, noble venture, go for it. Like, but it's really at the end of the day about me. Me bettering myself. How we start our weeks, we go to church it fits in our schedule, if we can make it work. How do we start our day? Most of us roll over and within 30 seconds we're on Facebook. Let's call it like it is, right? Did anybody like my status or my post from last night? Makes me feel so good inside. Notice a theme here about our firsts. What's the first thing that happens with, with our income? Well, we gotta pay off all of our bills. Of course we do. Because if not, they won't come and get my house. But see, all of our first, we really structure our lives around us. And yet the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all this will be added to you. It's a different mentality that there's a barn out there that's gonna be full and overflowing. If I just put, I just put him first, what if we started the year off not about making New Year's resolution about losing weight with prayer and fasting and see what God wanted for us for the year? Come on, we're gonna do that by the way. In January, we're gonna start with 21 days of prayer and fasting to set our hearts in the right place towards God. What if we started the year off like that? What if we, we started the week off on Sundays and we just came in genuinely like, man, I'm committed to starting my week off by giving him the first day of the week and I'm gonna worship him and honor him, that's why you're here. What if we started the day off not seeing who likes us and trying to find value in someone else's validation? What if we started off in his word and worshiping him even if it was for a short time? And then naturally, because we're already used to giving him our first, 
It's not that big of a stretch to give him the first portion of our income. You see, what we put first, and I know, I know this, is, this is hard, but what we put first shows what we trust most. What we put first shows what we trust most. See, so when we put God first in all the other areas, when we start putting God first in everything, then when it comes to the tithe, which the Bible calls the first 10% of our income, when it comes to, to that, it's already natural that we put God first because we've put him first everywhere else. And you say, well, that takes crazy faith and irrational generosity. Yeah, it does. And maybe because God knew that, it's the only place in scripture he says to test me. You guys, there's only one test that God says, yeah, you can test me in this. It's in tithing. That's it. And when we, when we live like that, now remember, go back to the very beginning where I started this message. That which we give away, we also release its power in our lives. You know the second highest reason for divorce is finances. We release its power when we give. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I'm God, so glad everything God does doesn't make sense in our eyes. Because if it did, then we are actually God and he is not. His ways are higher than our ways. His ways aren't supposed to make sense. Proverbs 21, 26, all day long he, the lazy and selfish, craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. And maybe you're here and you're, your life is like that, that craving and craving, and not just for things, not just for money, for significance, for purpose, for something. You've lived in this craving that, oh, with the next big job, with the next big, with the next big moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, my life's gonna mean something. I'm gonna get there. Man, when this happens, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have significance. And you, you live in this constantly craving mindset. What I love about our story is that God started by giving his first his son, so that we could walk in purpose through a relationship with him. It's, it's not an accumulation, it's what we live for. He would die for us if we would live for him, and through that, we find that purpose that we've lacked. We find that significance that we lack. If you do me a favor and just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment not out of a religious sign, but to block out the distractions of this room. And you may be here, man, that is my life. I have, I have been living a life of craving and craving. I'm always searching for something that would provide significance for me, that would, something that would make me feel important, something that would happen, a big break. Maybe the problem is not what you have, it's what you live for. And you know in this moment, you don't have a real connection to the God who created you, a real relationship with him. And you say, man, I'm not into religion, neither am I, I promise. But I am into a real relationship with a real God that desperately cares about people. You say, well, I don't know that I can get it right all the time. I'm glad that's not the standard because I don't get it right all the time. Man, some days I mess up more than I get it right. But that's what makes his grace so powerful. He's a generous God. 
Most days in the grace of God, I feel like Adrian here getting a $1,300 tip that I know I didn't deserve. And maybe you need that grace this morning. If that's you, I just wanna pray for you. I promise I'm not here to embarrass you. I just wanna pray with you and I'll know I'm praying with you. You do me a favor. All I'm gonna ask you to do is raise your hand and look at me, say, man, I need that relationship with God. I need that purpose in my life. I need that significant. Shoot your hand up in the air and look at me so I know I'm praying with you. Yeah, I see your hand. Anybody else? Come on, raise it high so I can see it. Just wanna pray with you today. All my friends, man, we're gonna pray. We're gonna celebrate. That's me. I need, I need that connection. Good stuff. Yeah. Anybody else, you can put your hand down. Thank you. One more time, anybody else, I'm just gonna pray for you. I'm gonna ask all my friends to pray with these two that, that have raised their hand. Let's all pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for giving generously your life so I could live. Today, I accept you in your incredible name. Amen. Amen. Y'all, two people just crossed from death to life. Let's go. Man, we're gonna, we're gonna let this word in. And I know this is challenging. I really do. Don't run out of here and not let what God started take root. Sometimes we let what he does, and kind of speaking to you guys that come every week, we let it land in our feels. That felt good. And then we run out. And we don't let it take root in what he's doing. Take this next song. We're gonna worship. There are gonna be some people off to the sides. Uh, they're gonna pray with you if you have any needs you want someone to pray with. That's what they're there for. But let this song, let this time, God take root and continue to speak to you what he's already started through his word. Let's stand as we begin to worship. God, thank you so much for the two people that just crossed from death to life, for the work you've already begun. In your incredible name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, take a second and share it with your friends. Here at Venture, we believe in the power of being connected with a local church body. So whether that's with us at Venture or another local church near you, we encourage you to get plugged in. We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening to the Venture Church Podcast.